0: Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny.
1: Welcome to Tasty Pages,
0: a podcast for people who love
1: cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page.
0: We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories,
1: including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste.
0: The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear.
1: All of this Takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis.
0: Oh, yeah. We also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food related joke. Usually very lame. Hey, now, <laughs> join, join us for, for Tasty, tasty pages. pages. This week's featured cookbook is
1: That Sounds So Good by Carla Lolly Music. Hi, Johnny.
0: Hey, Victoria. How are you? Happy Sunday.
1: Happy Sunday. It's almost Christmas. Yes, it is. Only a couple weeks away. We still have a few more weeks. You got all your shopping done? Pretty much. I'm just waiting for some things to be delivered. What'd you give me? I'm not telling you. Hmm. Um, Let's see. I've been doing a lot of baking. Well, not technically not baking. I've been dough making. There you go, and then I'm going. I'm putting it in the freezer, and then it's getting baked this week. Yes, and my word, (laughs) it was a thing. Yeah, well, and I'm working out of that book, uh, Cookies by Jesse Sedcheck, and uh, we totally butchered his name last
0: week. I did. Well, (laughs) I'll take full credit for that. (laughs) But I was like,
1: yeah, I think that's right. So (laughs) I've made a vanilla sumac dough.
0: Let's let's back up a second. Okay, welcome to Tasty Pages. (laughs) Episode 57. (laughs) I I admire your enthusiasm, though. It's (laughs) contagious. Uh, A podcast from Cooking the Books. Before we talk about cookies, dough making, (laughs) let me get these housekeeping things. We've got to keep the lights on here at at Tasty Pages headquarters. If you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, and click the store tab, that will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. That's probably the most immediate Um, and easy way to support what we're doing here. We've got a few lists there, kitchen essentials for home cooks. We also have a cookbook list um, that I just updated featuring our favorite cookbooks that we've featured over on the Cooking the Books Instagram. And then we have a new category, fun food finds. And these are just like foods and ingredients and things that are available on Amazon that we use and enjoy. We're not... uh, endorsed by any of these brands they're just uh things that we think other people might enjoy as well Mm -hmm. and if you make a purchase from any of those lists it won't cost you anything more we'll get a few pennies in return literal few pennies but it's a great way to support what we're doing here and get something that you enjoy how's that sound that sounds fantastic all right uh, well, you you talked a little bit about kind of works in progress. Yep, uh, and, uh, what we're working on. So back to the cookies. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No,
1: no, no, no. I was like out of the gate, like
0: I, I, just yeah,
1: gearing, like champing at the bit to talk about my cookies. Um, I don't blame you. So so far, I've made a vanilla sumac, and it's like a it's like a kind of a sugar cookie type situation. Uh, dark chocolate. Smoked paprika cookie that has chocolate chunks in it. Caramel cashew cookie, which is divine. Yep. I know. I know that they all taste good because before freezing them, I cooked exactly one.
0: Which we split.
1: I, yeah, I baked one.
0: <laughs> we had a little test each. kitchen going on yeah. in our house,
1: and I am doing a shortbread with a Campari glaze. I did the shortbreads, cut those out, and am saving the glaze and
0: so, the orange so we sugar. we mentioned this previously, but uh, we're having a cocktail party next weekend mm-hmm. for some uh, friends. And uh, if you attend, you're getting boozy cookies.
1: You're getting the shortbread with the Campari glaze and the uh, chocolate red wine. Never and, let
0: it be said that Johnny and Victoria don't know how to throw a party. Right? Fucking boozy cookies. Yeah.
1: And then uh, next I'm going to do chewy sesame cookies and spiced
0: apple butter cookies and a lot of these are being given to friends and family uh they're pretty much of, all being yeah. given to friends so and these, family. The, the non-boozy ones that we mentioned are all going in a little uh handsome gift pack yes and distributed to friends and family
1: and i'm going to try and make um
0: close friends and family yes. like the guy that changes our oil he's not getting any
1: no but I'm also gonna try and do cake truffles, yep. not cake pops. Cake pops are disgusting, but I'm doing cake truffles. Hopefully. Yes. We'll see how much time I have. Um,
0: the kid that bags our groceries. Mm. Not getting any.
1: I'm the kid that bags our groceries. <laughs> are you kidding me? You're right. <laughs> if I want the cookies, I'm going to eat all the cookies. Um,
0: That's not the only thing that we're in the process of working our way yes. through. We are currently, for like the next featured cookbook, are working through homemade, is it basics? Uh-huh. Did I get that right?
1: Homemade basics. Yeah, Homemade Basics. Yeah,
0: and that's from Yvette Von Boven. We've we've done some other books from her Homemade series uh-huh. and, and enjoyed them. So, so far so good. Uh-huh. You'll be seeing those photos appear shortly.
1: And Johnny just made some dog cookies.
0: Yep, from the, I think in a previous book she had a dog biscuit recipe uh-huh. too. So, hey, how can I resist? Yes. Gotta so seize that opportunity.
1: All of our neighbors with dogs are going to get some of those for Christmas. Yep. And we might have to borrow one of our neighbor's dogs to shoot them because... We're Olive, talking
0: about getting a stunt dog.
1: Yeah, because Olive just isn't here for our bullshit. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to sit down and lay. She's you.
0: not very photogenic anymore. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, she is photogenic. I,
0: I, she's kind of cute. She she takes after her, her <gasps> You're owner. being so
1: mean. No, I'm not,
0: I'm not ugly shaming her. <laughs>
1: I mean, she does have. She's, the, the... She's a beautiful dog. She does have the thing on her eye. Yeah, and she's like, got
0: like a weird sty on her eye.
1: It's it's a growth. We've had we've taken it, her to it, the doggy ophthalmologist. Just adds and, character. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, no, she's a cute dog. She takes after her her dad in that regard. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's <laughs> what I tell people. Uh, and then we're also working our way through the new uh, book from Death and Company, which is called Welcome Home, and it's geared specifically toward uh, like home bar enthusiasts. Uh-huh. And and this is great because like I really enjoyed the previous book that we featured on Instagram, and this one even more so because it's 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 right up our wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, but also I mean it does have some very it. Ha- there are some complicated drink recipes in there that
0: require a lot of. You got to you got to read through it though because like you, you, it starts with like the basics re- of like setting up the home bar so
1: it, I'm it well aware I looked through it but already. It shouldn't
0: require like too much specialized stuff.
1: No, but I mean some of those cocktail recipes at the back, yeah, they are. They're like uh, we would need an entire like liquor cabinet In <laughs> we're, order, we're,
0: we're, we're rating the book already and we haven't even featured it. i know right let's let's move on <laughs> okay <laughs> and uh what's what do we got next up
1: um i think we are probably well we're gonna start doing a little bit more recipe development we're
0: gonna do a pivot yeah as the kids say i
1: mean we're still gonna be you know featuring and cooking out and reviewing cookbooks but i, th- I think it's time I honestly really really miss just cooking on the fly and like going into the grocery store and being like, okay, we I'm don't an- want to be a
0: cover band all of our lives. Right? We we're gonna write our own material. So and and we've we I think we've talked previously and kind of floated the idea of possibly you know eventually having our own cookbook pitching
1: a cookbook yes and so
0: the wheels are in motion for starting to do some recipe development which you'll you'll start seeing mixed in with our weekly cookbook features
1: i mean we've done it like sporadically here and there on our page but it's gonna be more of a focus yeah yeah but we're i mean we're still gonna talk about cookbooks and everything
0: along (laughs) with me rating different um energy drinks i think right no gross okay I'm just you'll, trying to keep the content y- fresh and You'll lively. be like, this tastes like chemicals. Yes. They all kind of taste like that. They all taste like that. And then also, I think next up for the featured cookbook, are, are we in agreement here?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, Odelangi, you've heard of him?
1: He's, Maybe. He's, he's okay.
0: Yeah. I think he's got a promising future. Yeah. He has a new cookbook called Shelf Love. Ooh, provocative title. Ooh. Um and i think we're going to start working from that next as far as the the featured cookbook it's it's sitting there bursting with post it notes victoria how cute I'm, you you tried to like go through and actually narrow down the recipes <laughs> we probably could have like just randomly opened the book each night and like, pointed let's do to this. a recipe
1: there there are seriously like 30 i just i wasted a whole pack of like little sticky sticky flags
0: yeah i'll, I'll get more they have them at the dollar store. <laughs> random, random thoughts. Um, we just recently watched the Anthony Bourdain documentary, uh-huh. Roadrunner. What was your takeaway from there? Do you remember it? There was there was some wine involved. So. It, it,
1: well, it was a couple... I mean, we watched it a couple weekends ago. Right, right. Um, it just made me feel very... I mean, he seemed to have this charmed life, but, you know, mental illness is no joke. Yes. And the fact that He had a beautiful daughter, and he lived this fun, fantastic life, and he had great friends, and, you know, and it's not enough to hold on. Yeah, there were, I had an issue with, um, there were certain people who were not involved in it that probably should have been, and they declined to be a part of this
0: project. Michael Part of that project. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just trying to think of like people that I knew he was kind of close to like in his inner circle no, and stuff.
1: No, like... Okay. But I mean, it was good. It just ma- it made me very sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, as you said, a lot of times when people are struggling with mental illness, it's kind of... It's, it's not something that people are comfortable talking about and it's also if you do try and check in with them as a concerned friend or something you're not always going to be able to
1: you're not going to get an honest answer you like you could
0: get fuck you, off i'm fine
1: yeah i mean i will fully admit I, I struggle with anxiety i struggle with depression and it's it's a really hard road to ho- road to hoe like I, yeah. it's and i i i mean i feel no shame in admitting it
0: Yeah. Nor Um, should you,
1: you know, it's a a large percent of the population struggles with mental illness. And I think it's just getting worse and worse with the way our world is, you know, like it's hard to be optimistic or feel good or like get into a good headspace.
0: Right. At all. I mean, the pandemic, I think, has just amplified Uh some of those feelings for people, um, you know, with isolation and anxiety and
1: and it's and it's hard it's, it's it's something that doesn't like okay, we're not trying to have a psychology talk. It's something that never ever goes away, because right. no matter how good things can be going, it's always there, and it will like sneak up on you. It will smack you upside the head, and you yeah, so
0: so my takeaways from it were in hindsight, mm-hmm. you could see some warning signs and some concerning behavior that they showed in the documentary and and you know cuz like i think this came as such a shock to everyone including his friends and then you kind of look back on some of the the footage from some of those last episodes and you're like oh you know he was kind of struggling and going uh-huh. through some stuff and and also these these were issues these were not new issues for him he was just a person that you know, was good at hiding it, uh-huh. and, he, and he and he definitely struggled with it, and, you know, you'd mentioned before, uh, you know, he seemed to leave, lead such a charmed life and traveling all over, and, you know, what could he possibly be depressed about? You know, you can go all over the globe, but you can't, You're like,
1: still, there you are. Yeah,
0: exactly. That was what I was gonna, my point was, was, you know, you you can't run away from yourself. Well, and, and I also, think that really underscores that.
1: Also, I get the fact that he was traveling traveling a lot, and the, he probably kind of felt rudderless and like, sure, I have no sense of home, I have no grounding, you know, like, and I'm sure it's exhausting, like, well, like
0: exhausting. When you've done as much of that as he did mm-hmm. and traveled as much it probably begins to feel kind of, you know, empty and meaningless because, like, where else are you going to go and what else? You know, like, it, it's kind of like someone who struggles with, like, drug addiction and, and, and you know, you you do, uh, you know, a certain amount of it and it's exhilarating it's, and, and you get that high. But then, but then it's af- not enough right, after a you know, while. So, yeah. like, I, I can totally understand how, you know, it seems crazy to think about but the the travel and stuff was probably not that glamorous oh i'm sure after a while like once that initial thrill wears off you know then it just because becomes like a job like you said and there's a lot of downtime and a a lot lot of of
1: lonely hotel room time to sit there and get in your own head
0: as they say you know for anyone who's toured in a band or anything like it's a lot of hurry up and wait Uh and and you know and you're you're spending, you know, 23 mundane hours of the day to have that 1 hour of of like exhilaration each day and and you know, eventually it catches up to you. So, anyway.
1: All right. <laughs> uh, hey, on a
0: more positive note. Oh
1: my god, we're such downers. I know.
0: That's okay. It's good. It's important stuff to talk about. Um it doesn't it doesn't always have to be like fart jokes on this podcast.
1: I don't think we've ever told a fart joke.
0: It, wait until after I got, I got one. coming on. Oh, God. No, I don't. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, I got a podcast recommendation. Okay. Spilled milk. Yes. So when we drove um, to Chicago uh, for our little Friendsgiving trip, we listened to some episodes. It was kind of a new discovery for us. They've been doing this for over 10 years, mm-hmm. and they've got uh, a ton of episodes banked. This is what it says from the website. I'll let them speak for themselves. It says, Every week on Spilled Milk... Writers, comedians, Molly Weisenberg and uh, Matthew Amster Burton start with a food-related topic, from apples to winter squash, and they just run with it as far as they can go, and regrettably, sometimes further. And they've been doing this since 2010, and it's not getting any more off on topic. Sound familiar? right <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe they t- They, a, it appeals to us. Now, they I, take I, a lot of tangents
1: my, and i, I kind of love it
0: yeah my impression is that they're not a couple no they're, but, no they're yeah, not a couple just, at all just friends and uh but they but they have a great rapport and uh if you enjoy the what we do here <laughs> then check out them because it's kind of more of the same uh-huh. similar 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 dynamic um all right should we talk about uh what are we drinking by the way
1: oh we are drinking an espresso martini again again
0: we, we can't get we're out going of this. we're
1: going through the espresso martini phase yeah we'll get tired of it soon enough i'm sure but
0: and then it's uh what's next
1: i don't know i did chai martinis already so yeah
0: we'll have to think of a new uh Cocktail that's that's like new again.
1: I think I might switch after this. I might switch to a kettle one botanical Ooh, and a little bit go. of hard kombucha. I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm. Can I just say, Johnny always has told me how disgusting that he thinks kombucha is. I think we talked about this a little. The hard kombucha. Yeah, I'm coming around. He's to coming it. around to it. And I'm. Bless
0: your soul. Yeah. Keeping an open it, mind. It makes me very happy. And and hey, uh, on that topic, that that's a perfect <laughs> segue, a segue. In, into the show topic this week, which is what's your favorite hangover cure? And we got lots of great responses from our listeners. So thank you for that. Want to dive into them? Sure. All right.
1: All right, Joseph P. Um, He's our good friend, and he does not. He barely, barely, barely drinks anymore. So he said a, f- bat- a
0: few of our sober friends chimed in mm-hmm. with, with these, I, which I, that was which that was really nice.
1: Um, he said, "Back when it was applicable, a ton of water and an ib- ibuprofen before bed, and huevos rancheros for brunch."
0: Sounds perfect. Mm. All right, our friend Bill S. said a greasy cheeseburger. Is that before or after going to sleep? <laughs> Right. I I really, I don't think either one is a good scenario. Mm -mm. But bless you, Bill. Mm. If it works for you, you do you.
1: Yes. Uh, Cairo C. said hydration, fruit juice, avocado, banana, green juice. Most importantly, be a connoisseur, not a glutton. But sometimes you want to be a glutton. So
0: Hippie. For green juice, do you think he meant absinthe?
1: No, definitely not.
0: Oh, okay. Um, but I I, I I subscribe to that. We'll, we'll get to my answer in a, in a second. But you know, like I'm, I'm I think at fifty, I'm more of a connoisseur than a glutton. I I don't get hungover very often.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. Well, it also takes me less to get hungover too. Sure. Um, just because I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. let's see. Uh, Shelley C said. A packet of emergency and a healthy pinch of sea salt or pink Himalayan salt. That's if you can't get your hands on a Bloody Mary. <laughs> oh, there you go,
0: man. Emergency! I used to drink that stuff like daily throughout the winter.
1: You did that and the honey lemon echinacea juice, which yeah. is disgusting.
0: Oh, but man, it's it's like my like my secret weapon when I get a cold, and it, and you know. But it's not. The, it's the, snake the, oil. The one silver lining of uh, this pandemic, if there was one, was that I have not. I got a cold. A few months back. I've not been sick in over two years. I know, it's amazing.
1: Right? And I can't believe isolation. I didn't I can't believe I didn't get sick when you had your little cold thing in. I know. Okay.
0: Uh, hey <laughs> Gerhard V says drink a ton of water before sleep. Uh-huh. And then he mentions dehydration. Is the number one cause of headaches in the morning. Absolutely. Thank you, doctor.
1: Mm. Uh, Chris M. said, four ibuprofen, <laughs> two antacids, a pint of water, and a quart of coffee.
0: I, I see him measuring this stuff out in the kitchen, like, you know, quart. Quart. I, I like, do, too. Exactly. Follow, like, as if following a recipe. No more, no less.
1: Absolutely. Hey,
0: that, that sounds like a perfect remedy. Right? Uh, Joe B., Pickled herring.
1: Oh, my God. That would make me puke all over my yeah. shoes. Blah.
0: The goal is to not get sick, Joe. Oh, my
1: God. Um, Mike T. said, like most, a large glass of water and ibuprofen before bed. But if I'm still hungover, coffee and cheesy hash browns with onions and salsa the morning
0: after. Okay. Uh, our friend David A. said, uh, pho and at least two full-size pork egg rolls <laughs> and maybe a Bloody Mary. I love how it's like so specific.
1: Full-size. This is what you
0: do. Pictures <laughs> of a bowl of pho, two at least full-size <laughs> pork, not chicken or ooh, beef, ooh. egg rolls. <laughs> they, if it works for him, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Oh, Davy. All right.
1: Um, Wonder and Sunday said Alka-Seltzer. God, I haven't... I can't tell you the last time I... Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> <buzz. laughs> that cracks me up and I don't know why.
0: And at uh, KVD said water and Tylenol. A mm. lot of like hydration mm-hmm. and pain reliever. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing a trend here. Yes.
1: Um, Maxwell Gregory 2018 said Thai Tom Yum Soup.
0: Oh. Okay. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Um, before we you? jump into our answers... okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about Hair of the Dog because I got to thinking, where did that come from? Like, it's a kind of a. Oh, that's what you were looking up. I'm like, what are you doing? I was actually consulting with our team of research staffers in
1: his phone
0: behind the scenes, aka Wikipedia. (laughs) Um, It's a colloquially. (laughs) <laughs> colloquial here, here goes Johnny mispronouncing something <laughs> colloquial. again colloquial colloquialism
1: colloquialism
0: yes expression <laughs> dating back to the mid to the late second century BC um it's, it's got a history okay so in Germany drinking alcohol the following morning to relieve the symptoms of a hangover is called ein counterbeer trinken having a counterbeer
1: okay ein huh? counterbeer trinken yeah okay
0: Remember you're German? I do. All right. In Austria, it's called having a repair beer.
1: Okay. I think,
0: I think I might start drinking a beer the following morning just so I can say I'm having a repair beer.
1: I think it would have to be a repair wine okay. since you don't really drink that much beer anymore.
0: I'm having a repair I'm having
1: a repair bourbon, a repair bourbon <laughs> Why right? Why are you drinking
0: bourbon on a Sunday morning oh my at God. nine o'clock? I'm having a repair bourbon. See, Leave me alone. That's
1: the thing. If bourbon is your drink and then like you're drinking bourbon at nine o'clock in the morning. That's
0: yeesh. called alcoholism. That,
1: <laughs> it absolutely hey, but hey, is. No judgment here.
0: <laughs> um, there's even a cocktail from the 1930s called oh, the geez. Corpse Reviver. <gasps> yes. Which became yes. a popular hangover remedy.
1: I think we've made that from our tiki cocktail so, book.
0: So Corpse Reviver number one <gasps> consists of cognac. Calvados, and Sweet Vermouth. Corpse Reviver number two is gin, lemon juice, Cointreau, Lillet Blanc, and a splash of absinthe. So oh. are you a one or a two person, do you think?
1: I think I'd be a one.
0: Okay. Cognac, Calvados, Sweet Vermouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other one seems a little high octane.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, they're both pretty high octane. That is true. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was very fascinating. Well, thank Hair you the for the,
1: thanks. That's, I I appreciate that because I never, wow. Learning, I mean, I'm sure, like, if you listen to the Stuff now. You Should
0: Know podcast, they probably go away in detail and yeah. actually have, like, accurate facts. This mm-hmm. was, like, a cursory, like, five-minute Wikipedia search.
1: Considering but, that anyone yeah. can go into Wikipedia and yep.
0: edit the face. <laughs> I, I could be completely talking out my ass. Uh, what about your picks? Um, what did you have?
1: Well, if I've been drinking, I will usually have Gatorade on the nightstand. Yep. And I'll drink that throughout the night. And if I feel really crappy, I'll take an Advil. I think that was
0: a a Tom Petty song, Gatorade on the nightstand. I liked it. It was a good song. Uh Uh-huh. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. You're trying to be cute. (laughs) No. Um,
1: And Advil. Um, Then I either like to go back to bed. Sure. Or I will get on the struggle bus and go to the gym and sweat it out. Yep. That's it. Yep. I have no magical foods. I have am not drinking raw eggs or anything Ooh. like that's that's it. All Usually right. I get on the struggle bus and go to the gym.
0: Yep. All right. How about you? Uh, back in the day when I was a younger Johnny in my in my band years, um. I would usually scrape myself off the gross carpet in our rehearsal studio. Chug an ice cold chocolate milk. <gasps>
1: That's right. Yeah. You know what? When we first Eat got together, when we first over
0: pizza. That had hold been on, I have to tell a story here. Quiet now.
1: <laughs> when we first got together, I noticed that he had like a chocolate milk cartons in his car, and I'm like, really. Uh, Yes, oh. you had like little chocolate milk containers it in your so car. That I would just
0: leave those sitting around. And I was like,
1: "Why do you, Why do you have these? in You don't remember this." I no, was like, "I was like, Why do you have these in your car?" And you are like, "I like to drink those when I'm hungover." Oh, and I was just like, "That's gross." Oh,
0: it's it's it does the job. <laughs> ice cold chocolate, and then. And then, you know, I'd usually eat, like, some big greasy diner breakfast because we used to go out for breakfast way more than we do now. Oh, we and used so, to go out
1: to breakfast, like, three or four times if a you week. Especially got, like,
0: this big generous, you know, kind of omelet or scramble with, you know, like...
1: We would go to Sunnyside yep. and get the prickly cactus. Yep. Which is basically a huevos rancheros with nopales. Yep. Um, or just straight up... Um, Huevos rancheros and they had this really good uh cornflake uh crusted french toast that i would get sometimes too
0: well and even uh living in chicago we'd go to this little like kind of greek owned dive diner place called the burgundy yes and i'd get like the the hash brown skillet you know like with i can't remember what it had in it but it was it was like a skillet yeah and uh that always did the trick with with a couple of poached eggs on top yeah uh, now that I'm older and wiser, 50 <laughs> year old Johnny, uh, much what you said earlier, I, will I'll do like a Gatorade or Powerade preferably before I go to bed. Uh-huh. You, after you go to bed, you're just kind of trying to repair the damage, but if you can catch it beforehand and, and usually let's just say like, I don't binge drink now. So I have enough sense. Like I know when I've kind of hit my wall or when it's going to be trouble the next morning. So I'll, I'll, it's like our friend Cairo said, like, I'll be a connoisseur, not yeah. a glutton. So, like, you know, we'll enjoy some. We'll imbibe on the weekends, but we're not, like, getting falling over drunk.
1: No. I can't um. tell you the last time I got, like, vomity from drinking. Oh, oh it's no. been years. Yeah. Oh, no. I can tell you the last time we got vomity from drinking. Yes. It one while they were, like, a year a year apart. It was at Toasting for Fest. First year, you got vomity. Oh, Yeah. So we used to work at. I think
0: we we've told this story before. We used to work at Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Huzzah! We used to <laughs> we used Huzzah! to dress up in costumes, make fun of people, and drink throughout the day and evening. Oh so we basically God. just stayed drunk the entire weekend, Ugh. which is like it, it makes my head spin just to even think about now. But, oh
1: mugs and but mugs back then, of we, beer. We thought it was pretty fun. And then and then gin at night.
0: Yep. Ugh. And uh yeah, so there was probably some nights when we imbibed a little too much and
1: well, especially on top. The like the night before it opens, we called it toasting, like we would get together at the stocks and drink and just have a crazy time. Um I know I ended up running naked through a parking lot. Went, As you do, I went to the King's Castle and I uh, did a pole dance, and somehow I, I don't know, on the I King's think, pole, on the King's pole. That sounds <laughs> right. horrible. And I, do, I managed hey to now. like do one of those awesome upside down spins. I have no idea how I did oh, it. Sorry, but I missed that. I'm sure it was Where pretty. Where was I? I don't know. Was I
0: at the Queen's Castle doing a similar pole dance? No, you were not. Oh, okay. I, d-
1: but there were plenty of people around to see it. Oh. So, I mean. Plenty of our friends have seen my titties. Pre-
0: pre-social media, thankfully. <laughs> Thank so, God, <laughs> you know, it's not everywhere for people to see. It doesn't doesn't have a life of its own now. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Uh, anything else?
1: Um, I don't think we <laughs> finished the story, but that's okay. Anyway, first year toasting, Johnny got like really, really. He was horrible the next morning. And yes. Vomity, and then the second year. That's how I was. And I remember, like, barfing on a tree backstage. And then I was like, I have to go lay down. (laughs) So.
0: Oh, so to finish my answer, Gatorade, Powerade, preferably before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe a couple of ibuprofen followed by a lot of water the following Mm -hmm. day. And as you said, like, usually we end up going to the gym And I just kind of like have a hate workout through it and lots of sweating. And like surprisingly, it actually feels better.
1: It does. It does. Like Like, I'm
0: not enjoying it at the time. I'm totally dragging, but I'm always mind over matter. Well, especially since I did it. When I'm at the gym,
1: like I drink a lot of water. Right. Like I'll like refill my water bottle like three or four times. So there you go. There you go.
0: (laughs) No no hair of the dog at the gym. No hair of the dog at the gym.
1: Um, I mean, I guess you could put some in your water bottle. and <laughs> No one will
0: know. No one it'll will know. A, it'll be okay.
1: <laughs> what is that brown liquid where you're drinking?
0: Um, should we Should we talk about this book?
1: Probably. <laughs> We've
0: wasted another <laughs> half a show talking about nonsense.
1: If you're still here, we're about to talk about the book.
0: And thank you for that. <laughs> you're, you're a brave soul. Um, okay, so let's talk Carla Lali music. That sounds so good. My summary of this book is it's kind of like a Swiss Army knife of cookbooks. Uh-huh covers a lot of ground, gives you a lot of options, a lot of tools. What say you?
1: Well, I like that it is I mean, it's sectioned off differently so you you know exactly what you're going to get like is a you know, am I going to choose like a quick something quick and kind of healthy-ish? or am I going to do something that will take more time and Um, And she offers uh, Like this book Is like a wealth Of like Substitutions And like She calls it You know Putting a spin on it Right Which I appreciate I really appreciate Because especially For like novice cooks It lets you It like really encourages you To think outside the recipe And
0: build confidence In the kitchen Yes Yeah And be a more intuitive cook Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, You want to talk about the dishes we made and then we'll discuss in a little greater detail? Sure thing. We
1: did hands-off pork and beans, uh, low and slow spiced chicken legs with garlic crunch crumbs, um, fat noodles with pan-roasted mushrooms and crushed herb sauce. Sorry, I like celery. And yeah, that is the name (laughs) of the recipe.
0: (laughs) Not just a statement from Victoria.
1: (laughs) Um. Spicy tangy green beans and tofu. All
0: right. All right. Let's talk hands-off pork and beans. Let's Personally, I like hands-on my pork and beans. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. This show is quickly spinning it, it off It took the a rails. turn. It took a turn. Um, mm. This was by no means a labor-intensive dish, but it also required probably the most advanced planning. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to soak the beans overnight because we did use fresh beans. Uh-huh. And then the pork got a dry rub of... Hot, um,
1: hot smoked paprika and cayenne. Right. Um, and that was applied and salt salt. And before. salt, yep. And we wrapped it up, slapped it in the fridge. Beans were cooked with some carrot, onion, garlic.
0: So now one thing the recipe didn't mention is what to do... Because you kind of just roughly chop all those ingredients... Uh-huh. And you put them in there. And it didn't really mention whether you were supposed to remove them. Yeah. Yeah. We were, what we did, and I don't know if this is what the recipe intended, but we like blended those up.
1: with Because the recipe tells you to blend half the beans. Correct. So we took... Uh, well, and the photo doesn't look like any of the beans are
0: blended. Right, so at we all. reserved half the beans to put back in there, just so it's not this completely like like smooth, creamy, right? Yeah. And it's supposed to look a little rustic mm-hmm. with some of the beans in there. And the companion photo didn't really look that Mm-mm. way, and it also didn't say what to do with the, uh, you know, the onions, carrot. And garlic, but we figured why waste them? I mean, they've been simmering with, with all this stuff. And so let's blend it up and Mm -hmm. just like amplify that flavor. So that's, that was kind of like an executive decision on our part. And it was great.
1: The pork was nice and tender, um, it, it makes plenty. We had leftovers.
0: No complaints um, there.
1: Uh, and, and it used, uh, black eyed peas, which I really love. I'm, I'm really funny about certain beans. Like there are beans that I'm, I'm just, I think mostly I
0: hate kidney beans. <laughs> and then we hit it with a little bit of sherry vinegar stirred in at the end. At
1: the end. It gives it like this nice brightness. It was real comfort food. It yeah. was delicious
0: easy dish just a little bit of like inactive time Mm -hmm. so you gotta plan accordingly Mm -hmm. you can't just whip this up at the last minute
1: nope you can't be like I'm gonna make some pork and beans
0: nope Uh, let's talk low and slow spiced chicken legs with garlic crunch crumbs
1: this I think this was uh, one of my favorites agreed agreed It kind of resembled, it had like that nice crunch that fried chicken did. Right. But it was a lot easier. And less um, messy. Less messy. And the chicken like had a long bake time. Like it had a long, it was like three hour bake time. Yes. We used uh, thighs and drumsticks and they got seasoned with star anise, fennel seeds. Yep, those. And and, uh, Sichuan peppercorns. A little bit of heat to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it Baked for three hours, and then you made the you made the panko garlic. Yes, so crunch, this is where the so magic talk happens. Talk about it, yeah.
0: This is panko breadcrumbs with grated garlic. I think we use granulated garlic. Yeah, Um and then oh yeah, because we
1: have this really great smoked granulated garlic. Yeah, and
0: for things like this where it's like these applications. I feel like any time you introduce fresh things they're just introducing moisture to everything. So if you grate some garlic, it's just going to be clumpy and kind of like it introduces the moisture. Like I'd much rather just throw granulated garlic in there. I don't think the flavor is sacrificed mm. at all and then it just it's a it's a little it, you can incorporate it easier too. Mm-hmm. So usually anytime we're baking or doing something like this
1: Baking we're
0: not throwing garlic in.
1: No, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying
0: dry ingredients versus oh, fresh ingredients. Oh, yeah, ingredients. yeah, yeah. So, you don't want to introduce moisture in there. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. And then uh, secret weapon? MSG. M- MSG. So, you know, for, for decades, this has been kind of a maligned ingredient. I remember
1: my mom always used to be like, I'm allergic to MSG. Yeah.
0: And, and falsely so. It was, uh, I think, you know, scientific studies more recently have shown that There's no concern, and it was you know there was there was a campaign started I think kind of from the reading that I've done kind of as a prank might have been a little racism involved but it just got like horribly out of control. Might have been a little racism. Got got demonized, (laughs) you think, and uh, unfairly so. And so I'm glad that people are kind of coming around slowly.
1: It's a flavor adder. Yeah. Flavor booster.
0: But as you mentioned, this was kind of similar to fried chicken um, without the mess. But it had that kind of same, you know, texture and, you know, might want to give it a try if mm-hmm. you're craving fried chicken. Mm-hmm. We had some of those garlic crunch crumbs left over. So we threw them on a lemon chicken pasta that we made the next night. Oh,
1: I kind of forgot about that. Yeah.
0: We still got some in the fridge too. Maybe put on yogurt tomorrow morning. Oh, Eh? the
1: garlic crumbs. I think we should probably get rid of those. You think? Yeah, maybe.
0: I don't
1: know. Yeah, we'll get rid of them. Um, (laughs) Voice of
0: reason. You don't want to live dangerously? Don't want to roll
1: the dice? No, I do not want fucking food poisoning. Thank
0: you. Suit yourself.
1: (laughs) Um, Fat noodles with pan-roasted mushrooms and crushed herb
0: sauce. Awesome.
1: Um, This has a lot of latitude with the ingredients. It's like if you don't have um if you don't have a shallot, you can use onions, you can substitute your mushrooms. If you don't like pepper deli or you don't have any, you can use whatever you have on hand. It's super easy. And the mushrooms this dish is like super, duper flavorful. and I have to say I think, I'm, I'm really funny about pasta dishes. You are. Um, they better damn well be worth the calories if I'm going to eat them. And I have to say this one was so worth it. It was yes. so good. The mushrooms are pan roasted. Oh, and then... A little brown butter. Brown butter. Some shallots. And, shallots and, uh, and get some pasta water. There was like a crushed
0: herb sauce too. Yeah, it, the the well, the crushed herb sauce was. Um, I think it was just a lot of stuff we had on hand in the fridge. We just gathered up herbs and you know, so there was probably like some rosemary, some thyme, some. Uh, yeah, I don't. And I don't know why parsley. I'm like ooh, I can't well, think. But, and, and it was another one where the recipe just gives you a lot of options, and it's and you know, and that's one of the things I love most about this book is she doesn't expect you to make a special trip to the store to buy like this one specific ingredient. It's like, if you have something else on hand, use that instead. Yeah. No pressure.
1: And it turned out to be like this really, it, it had um, Parmesan in it too, didn't it? I don't know. I don't recall. I don't remember. Oh God, maybe I should look this
0: up. Yeah. That maybe be, we should prepare
1: <laughs> for the show. Oh my God. <laughs> but it turned out to be like this kind of like nicely creamy, Saucy, beautiful. Yeah. It was. It was so good. I yeah. loved it.
0: And simple. Yeah. One of the easier things we made, uh, maybe second to the long beans with vinegar and basil. <laughs>
1: Those were super easy, yes. and these were like a side dish. We we uh, made the Korean spare uh, short ribs from uh, Padma Lakshmi's
0: tangy tart, hot and sweet. And if you go back in the Tasty Pages archives, you'll see. Uh, our go-to cookbook recipes episode, mm-hmm. we mentioned the Padma Lakshmi Korean short ribs in there. Mm-hmm. And it's still a favorite. Yeah. After all these years.
1: So we ended up grilling grilling these and they get like nice and charred. And then they just get like sprinkled with um, red pepper flakes, some red wine vinegar, and I think like two cups of basil
0: leaves and... It's bright, a little spicy, a little zingy. And uh, we've got a great Asian grocer in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So that's where we sourced these long beans. Um, They're just, they look like really long green beans, but strangely, they are not really related to green beans at all. They're more um, closely related to black-eyed peas.
1: Which is crazy. When you told me that, I was like, what?
0: And, uh, you know, a lot of people will grill them and then remove the pods from them. So...
1: Yeah. I Who had knew? no idea.
0: But uh yeah, these these were great. And and probably the easiest dish we made. And then let's talk sorry, I like celery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the name of the recipe. I
1: think I think that's just one step above cabbage
0: is cool. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get such embarrassment at some of the recipe names.
0: But I I love this and and I think the reason it kind of appealed to me personally was because I I also adore celery. Yes, and I don't think it's used as like a focal point of a it dish. Is, very it is. It is not.
1: It's always like a. I mean, obviously, it's used in mirepoix. Yeah, it's always like a flavor builder. It's not. Ne- it's. Ne- it's always the 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 It's um, always the
0: plus one on the guest list. It
1: is. It's the, it's the one hanging out in the wings of the stage. It's
0: the cousin that's visiting from out of town that maybe lives in a small town that's that's you know just here for the weekend. It's
1: your less cute friend that you bring to be your oh, wingman. Hey now. Yeah. <laughs> now you're
0: now you're uh, ugly shaming celery. <laughs> but uh this this definitely affords celery the Opportunity to shine and and it in ha- the spotlight,
1: mm-hmm. and it it was it kind of had shades of like Caesar salad because it had garlic anchovy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you're channeling your inner Chris Morocco, uh,
1: yes, I know it's called anchovy, um, <laughs> and some parmesan, and there was a little bit of a heat from Aleppo pepper, Ooh, and, and- perhaps some
0: surprise ingredients olives and pepperoncini yes so a little brininess going on
1: yeah it was just like this nice crunchy although if you're one of those people that get really annoyed by like food sounds yeah. sometimes i get really irritated by it and like he'll be eating something and i get up and i just leave the room like yeah. he'll be eating something crunchy and i'm just like i i
0: can't sit here and listen to it sorry i like celery <laughs> All right. And then lastly, let's talk spicy, tangy green beans and tofu. Let's. A nice vegetarian dish. Mm -hmm. Um, Another easy recipe. Chunks of tofu were fried in a skillet along with scallions, ginger and green beans. And then there was like a sauce
1: that we put on it. Mm -hmm. It, Which was uh, mirin, soy and gokajang and black vinegar. And it. Thickens a little bit. And honestly, like Carla recommends that you can kind of put anything in this. Like you can use snap peas or carrots
0: or broccolini. Choose your own stir fry. Yes.
1: It was easy and delicious. All
0: right. Well, let's talk rankings. Okay. Before we do that, let's go to the most critical Amazon review, and I only found one. Okay, this go ahead a, and was read it. This is a good it. one, though. This comes from what? What pseudonym did they use? They Re- did. They, Reformed reader. Oh, okay. That was their. That was their uh, handle. Uh, one out of five stars. Who came up with this horrible design idea of yellow on white print? Well, there are a ton of substitution and options for variety suggestions at the bottom of every recipe, but I can't read any of them because they are printed in yellow ink on white paper. Totally dumb idea. Who vetted and approved that one? Uh, One note that this occurred in the chapter entitled S's for Sunday Soup, Stew and Sauce. Because there's there's different colors assigned to the chapters, so this is the one they were. So it was to. just this was just in yeah, one don't, chapter. Yeah, don't don't get the impression that it was like this throughout. Um, I
1: mean, I get like point taken. I, I get like having a hard time. I hate when you can't read the font sure. in a book when it's like small. I get that the, the like that is a it's a complaint, but it doesn't warrant like giving the entire book one star. Sure, like.
0: Well, I feel like they just saw that and then just kind of gave up. Yeah, and they're like, no. Let's get to our rankings. Food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria?
1: I gave it a five. Okay. Um The, um, the photographers were Andrea Gentle and
0: Martin Hires. Great Instagram, too. Mm. Worth checking out. Gentle and Hires. They do some food photography. They do portraits. They do a lot of editorial stuff. A lot of uh, food Advertisements mm-hmm. for magazines worth checking out.
1: The photography had a lot of finesse, but here's the thing: when I first flipped through the book, I was like, "Fuck, this is retro." Yes, because I happen to like wind up on like an orange section. Yes, here's the thing: the the the, the color. Okay, and I am overjoyed because it's refreshing. I feel like the the going aesthetic these days is like the very light instagram palette like light neutrals and stuff yes and it is definitely not like pastels. this pastels yes um this had like brighter colors like yellow, orange, green, blue and even brown mm-hmm. and each chapter was divided into these colors and so all of like the flatware and
0: yeah so it's it's hard to evaluate food photography without also discussing the design and layout Mm -hmm. because they're so intertwined Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah like everything would be in that um color palette Mm -hmm. and the photography there was like not one particular Style there was like action shots, some uh flat lace style, some head on the thing is uh, like to me it all the food looked really fucking delicious, and it yes. looked like it has been it's about ready to be scooped into or it has been scooped into, mm-hmm. and like the styling is not overly precious there w- There was a lot of action with the food I mm-hmm. felt everything felt very jovial to me, and I want to say careful, but I don't think that's the right word considered. Yeah, okay, but i i i I loved the photography in this book, and I just the whole design aesthetic, I just loved it. Okay, I loved it. What did you say?
0: Um, I gave it a four. Okay. We mentioned the photographers, the prop choices, and color palettes give this book a very retro kind of seventies inspired it, yep. feel. Especially as you mentioned with like these chapters that are assigned a color like orange or brown, brown. Or something. <laughs> yellow. Um, but the the choice of props follow that theme. But there's some very clever design food styling photography perspective, especially considering some of the ingredient choices, because in, in there's a chapter called Burning Clean, which we'll discuss in a second, but it's assigned the color brown. And I don't know if you noticed, but like even the ingredients that were photographed would feature that brown tone. So there was yes. like a charred broccoli dish. Yes. There was like a squash dish that I think had like that brown charring All on it. All the
1: ingredients like corresponded to those colors.
0: Correct. colors. And so like even the, you know, the I Like Celery, I think that like was It in was a, in the green section. Yes. Yeah. And so there was like a lot of consideration that went into... Not only the prop selection, but the ingredient and like recipe selection, so mm-hmm. that it would follow this theme throughout the book. And that was a that was had to have been a pretty big task.
1: So, can I ask you what what kept you from giving it a five?
0: Um, the photo editing kind of amplified the saturation, the color saturation, kind of like emphasized it a little bit more. I didn't think they were like natural looking photos. See, they, I
1: think that's kind of par for the course. I bump up
0: the color on ev- yeah, every single one of on my one photos. This I thought was like a little amplified. Okay. Personally, it wasn't my style. So it was just more of a personal okay. observation. I thought it was amplified a little bit too much. Okay. Um, I appreciated all the like family photos throughout because uh-huh. a real common theme of, of this book is kind of cooking for others and and taking care of your people and so she's got her sons she, in there she has
1: a niece that is quite possibly the most gorgeous kid I've ever seen yeah. in my life yeah. oh
0: so yeah I mean no real complaints and I and I just will talk more in detail with design and layout but like they really are intertwined so it's hard to talk about one without mentioning the other um, yes which brings us to design and layout all right what'd you give it I give it a five okay I mean this is really where this book shines. Yeah. The recipes are organized by as as Carlos says, recipe or by situation and occasion mm-hmm. rather than ingredient or recipe type. Yep. And then she also divides the week into two different um, as she calls it, buckets. So there's Monday through Thursday cooking. And then there would be like Friday plus the weekend cooking. And the Monday through Thursday there's going to be a focus on like less ingredients, minimal preparation. Friday and the weekends, it, it doesn't mean that they're more difficult necessarily, but they're just going to have like longer cooking times.
1: There's also an anytime section, too, okay. Which, okay. which is mostly desserts though. So
0: what I also notice is, uh, and she mentions it in the book, is the ingredient list is organized chronologically. So rather than the traditional method of prepping everything in advance and having mise en place, you're... Instructed to use these inactive times in a recipe to prep other ingredients. So, for instance, if rice is going to be served with the meal, she might instruct you in the recipe to start the rice first in the rice cooker. And then during the time that that's cooking, you'll be prepping some ingredients.
1: I feel like that's kind of standard for cookbooks. The, the ingredients are like listed in the order that they're used. Or like...
0: Possibly, although, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, books that do emphasize the, the traditional, like, mise en place. So I, I get where this is a little bit different. And then there was another one where, you know, she'll have, like, a pork chop recipe, and she'll instruct you to, like, take the pork chops out of the refrigerator, season them, set them aside. And so while those are, like, seasoned and coming up to temp then you'll be doing these other things.
1: Okay. All right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it was,
0: it was a conscious decision on her part and I thought it was, it was worth mentioning. There was a section called 10 kitchen tools that you might not own, but could definitely use. And they just included things that, I mean, some of these I would consider essential, like Mm -hmm. a digital scale, mortar and pestle. There was like a mention of like a food mill and like a mesh spider, but they're just kind of interesting things that maybe if you're starting up a kitchen you might not already have on hand um uh, and then she talks in the in her first book she talked a little more extensively about shopping and and building a pantry and this kind of is a continuation of that where she talks about the concept of not just thinking of a pantry in terms of like maybe some spices and a few canned goods that you keep on hand but also extending you know, the definition of a pantry to like your refrigerator, what you have at home. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so her definition is anything that isn't going to go bad anytime soon. So this would also include things like yogurt, lemons, tons of condiments, Mm -hmm. miso paste, tomato paste, mustard, harissa, capers, like all these things that I think about that we keep on hand as well. So kind of unconsciously we're following the same kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, approach Um, And then to things like Parmesan and eggs and things that we almost always have in our refrigerator. And then the recipes themselves are divided into two ingredient sections. One is called from the market. So these would be the things that you would kind of pick up as needed. So probably like your proteins, your meats and things like parsley that aren't going to last very long. And then a section called at home which are your pantry staples Uh and then as you mentioned there's the spin it section within each recipe so this is where the book really shines it's like suggestions on what she calls like pinch hit ingredients where uh it would kind of depend on what's available at your market what you might already have on hand what you like or dislike and that's Uh a huge thing there might be someone that is like i don't like capers yeah someone will be
1: like i don't want to make this recipe because i don't like x
0: ingredient right and so she's like hey that's perfectly fine you don't have to put it in you could put olives in instead Uh if that's your jam and then once you kind of understand that all these ingredients are kind of introducing an element of like sweet sour salty bitter or umami umami That. (laughs) Yes. Johnny mispronouncing stuff again. And then also the role that texture plays in a dish. She's really trying to get people to think kind of intuitively Mm -hmm. so that you can make more informed decisions when you're working from recipes and just to kind of take the fear and intimidation out of it. Yep. And then I love the recipe chapters because it was like stovetop suppers, big salads, something called burning clean, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like... You've spent the weekend maybe, like, imbibing, maybe, like...
1: Eating junky food.
0: Yep, indulging. And then Monday comes, and, hey, it's back on track, because I think we probably kind of follow a We totally approach. do. And then there's one called Day Drinking and Lazy Lunches. <laughs> S is for Sunday Soup, Stew, and Sauce. There's a few essays throughout the book mm-hmm. about, you know, cooking for family and just her family. And there was a great one from one of her sons about these... Uh, Sunday dinners they would have with the grandparents. And then in the back of the book, I don't know if you mentioned, if you saw that there was these menu idea collections. And so if, you know, if you want specifically like a vegetarian dish or maybe like a fall holiday dish, or she has a category for like best friend's birthday, it's like, here's the dishes you cook. Yeah. And lastly, God, I feel like I've gone on and on about this. Like I'm trying to sell you on the idea that this was a five, but, uh, in the acknowledgement section, the first people that she thanks in the book are first responders because this book was written during the pandemic, uh, the pandemic and she thanks all the first responders for kind of keeping her city safe oh, during the pandemic, yeah. and I thought that was a very thoughtful thing to do. I'm done. What'd you have? <laughs>
1: well, I gave it a five, and pretty much you said I, like, I my notes. But, like, it. my notes are pretty much a copy of what you said. Yeah. There was a so, lot to
0: digest in the design and layout. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a really great.
1: It's a really great. Yeah. Um, degree of difficulty. I, g- I gave it a two. It's clearly communi- communicated, like, what recipes are easy, what will take longer. I don't think there were, like, any difficult cooking techniques or. Whatever. And the latitude that the recipes give you, I think, makes it a lot easier. Right. I wouldn't hesitate to give this to a novice cook. Sure. At all. I think it would be a really, an actually a really great book to give to someone who is, doesn't cook very much, who feels very intimidated by it or thinks that they're a horrible cook or that they don't, people who like feel like they don't understand i I think this like gives you this book gives you a better understanding of like components of flavor sure you know building
0: blocks Mm -hmm. absolutely uh what'd you give it i gave it a two as well okay uh a few of the dishes while not technically difficult do require some advanced planning Mm -hmm. we talked about that maybe some longer inactive times. Like you said, the spin it concept will be very refreshing for a lot of home cooks mm-hmm. and it removes a lot of the fear and anxiety from cooking from a cookbook or just following a recipe. Cause I know I used to fall into this category, especially when we first started doing this project. Oh, we would
1: try and stick to, we would go to multiple places. No more
0: driving all over the city for an afternoon looking for little neck clams. Oh my
1: God. Ugh. Uh,
0: and so we're much more comfortable making substitutions and not making apologies for it
1: well, the thing is is like uh, I mean, I'm totally fine with making substitutions, but we were we, we had this thing in our head where like we need we sh- really should follow the recipe down the letter, right. But over time, we're just like,
0: fuck it like. Yeah. Well, life's you know. too short yeah it's like Be if we don't like for little neck clams if
1: we don't like this ingredient we're gonna substitute it for something else
0: and there's things that are beyond our control yeah like we're not you gonna you can't
1: find something
0: yeah. substitute it for something else exactly
1: don't don't kill yourself over it
0: this ain't the Alinea cookbook no it is not so we don't have to like adhere so rigidly to some instructions or technique yeah uh, and then lastly taste I gave it a five Bingo. Um, That pasta was divine. Yep. The
1: chicken was fantastic. There wasn't one thing that we made from the book where I was like, mm, it was okay. Like, I thoroughly liked everything that we made from this book. Truth. And I will gladly like revisit and dive into this book more.
0: Gotcha.
1: You gave it a five?
0: I gave it a five too. I, I always feel like this category... Doesn't require a lot of explanation because we've already kind of talked in agonizing detail with the other categories about, you know, why or why not. We did not like something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've already provided that feedback. So it should come as no surprise whether we like something or not. And we're also choosing the recipes. So we're choosing things that appeal to us. Yes uh it'd be a little different maybe if we just randomly selected stuff and then mm-hmm. we could kind of share whether we like something or didn't like it but you know when we're looking through these books we're picking things that we think we're going to like mm-hmm. and as long as we follow the recipe and it's not flawed and and we execute it properly we're probably going to like it yeah so that's why you probably see fives show up a lot in the taste category yeah so no apologies.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this show, um, please rank and review. Uh, you can follow us on our socials. Um, our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cookbooks.
0: All right. I got to redeem myself. I feel like I've been in a slump. A your, joke slump here. Your jokes have not been funny. This one's timely because there's snow on the ground in Minneapolis as we speak. It's also approaching Christmas time, mm-hmm. so um, did you know why that snowman was looking through a bag of carrots? He was picking his nose. <laughs> right, I can tell that to my nieces too. That was a, that was a good clean joke, good clean dad joke. <laughs> that
1: was you'll you'll have to you'll have to share that one at Christmas. I will. I'll remember <laughs> it.
0: All right, thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Stay safe. Stay hungry. Bye.